I'm Josh, and my mission is simple. I teach tens of thousands of home service business owners like you how to grow a profitable seven-figure business. Every week, I deliver mind bombs and systems designed to help you gain mastery over marketing, admin, production, and sales inside your company. Each week, I'll open up the vault so you can finally take hold of the life and business you deserve. There is only one thing between where you are today and where you want to be, and that is the growth you're willing to endure. You're in the right place. Welcome to the Growth Vault. Hey, my friends. Welcome back to the Growth Vault podcast. Hope you are having a phenomenal week. I know that I am in beautiful, sunny Dallas. It's actually Frisco, Texas, but I'm joined again for part four with my friend Kevin Dabrowski talking about uh, pricing and raising your prices and feeling good about it. And not only will you feel good about it, but your customers will feel good about it. We've covered a ton of ground. Go back and listen to the first three. You won't regret it, I promise. Um, Kevin charges, what is it? I think a couple thousand dollars for 25-minute consultation. So anytime we get a chance to just pick his brain, uh, it's really valuable. If, and I hope that you can see that. And I hope that you're you're studying this particular series of podcast episodes as uh, as you would like a book, not as passively listening to it, but really wrapping your head around the principles that he's talking about. I think it can make a huge difference for a ton of you uh, and me. I mean, I'm taking notes right along with everybody. I'm also recording this as a video. So if you're watching this on social media, um, you know, hi, <laughs> it, it is pre-recorded, but... Um, I just want to get this information out there. Kevin is also doing uh, like a one-day live event. He calls it his intensive. And there'll be a link, you know, somewhere. Look for the link and you can sign up for it. It's inexpensive relative to what you're going to get. Uh, I highly encourage you if you need more margin, if you need more cash flow, if you're having a hard time finding employees, go to his intensive. Kevin's not giving me any money for doing this. Um, just go there and sign up uh, because I fully endorse it. And yeah, I'm just excited. I'm also a nerd though, with personal development, mindset, human behavior, psychology. I love all this stuff. That's what he specializes in. And yes, it applies to a local home service business, it applies to any business. So with that being said, Kevin, um, take it away. This is part four, mastery. We're talking about pricing. We talked about the meaning of pricing, the mistakes people make when they're pricing. We talked about the mindset and the identity around pricing. Now, tell us some things we can actually do to move the needle in our businesses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and all of this that we've discussed so far is uh, intentionally discussed first, because none of what I'm about to share with you and dive into in terms of strategy, none of it would stick or would be executed on by you if you didn't first listen to those three uh, parts and dive into and apply what we first talked about. Well, which is why we took that, all that being said, even though no one will listen to me, I'm going to command all of you that have not listened to the first three parts, go back and be a good little boy or girl and listen to the first three parts. It will make a difference on your understanding of this part. And you probably won't listen, but if you do high five fist bump, you're awesome. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in you. Even if Josh does not, I believe in you that you will go back and listen if you haven't listened to already. <laughs> um, yeah, so the first thing I want to talk about when it comes to mastery of pricing is that um, one of the most, how can I say this? The worst advice you've ever heard is your favorite thing to believe. 
the worst advice that you've ever heard is your favorite thing to believe. I'm going to tell you what it is. Ooh, that's a good um, Yeah. Um, it's the belief that you charge according to what you are worth. And as people who have been doing what we've done for a little while, if you've been doing what you've been doing for a little while, it's easy to get caught in your head and think, you know what, I've gone to industry events and I've invested money in coaches and I've bought software and I've bought trucks and I've bought a building and I'm not screwing around and I have 12 years of experience. I'm worth 500 bucks an hour. Um, or a thousand dollars an hour, or ten thousand dollars an hour, or whatever. Um, to that, I invite you to think about this. The only people in history who have attempted to quantify the value of another human are slave traders and human traffickers. Mm. Humans are priceless. You are priceless. You are not worth $10,000 an hour or $5,000. You're not even worth a million dollars an hour. You know, Daniel Craig was paid $8.5 million an hour by Land Rover. I talk about him in my book, The Whale Vomit Method. He's not worth eight and a half. He's priceless. Um, every day, 150,000 people die. I actually know this stat off by heart. 151,600 people around the earth. Which means that this morning, you and I woke up with something that yesterday, 151,000 people would have given every last dollar in their bank account to enjoy. And that is another day of life, gifted another day of life on this planet. Um, life is precious. And those of us who have life, our life is priceless. So... The only thing that matters when it comes to you establishing your price for your services is not your self-worth, but in fact, the worth of the experience you're delivering to the client and the outcome that you promise. End of discussion. The only thing that determines the price of your service or product, we're going to say service because if you're listening to this and you sell services, the only thing that matters is the value received by your client as the deliverable, as the outcome in exchange for their investment. Another simple way of saying it in three words is you need to use value-based pricing. Mm. It's that simple. Value-based. I've often said that you should price based on the result you deliver, not based on your time or what it costs. But really what you're saying is actually better because even because even if a, a service company is thinking, okay, the result I deliver is a clean house, that's worth X. What you're saying is it's not even based on the result. I mean, that's a piece of it, but it's based on the packaging of the whole experience, the front to back, full spectrum, the emotion, the goosebumps, the dopamine, the stress relief, the OCD satisfyingly, whatever the, all of this other stuff is, it's part of the experience of the result. That's really the value, not even just the result. It's what the result makes someone feel like. Is that fair to say? That is fair to say. And with one adjustment, I'll just say that all the stuff you said just now, Josh, is the result. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like that holistic experience of the client is the result that they're paying for and enjoying as a result of the transaction. I just think it's important to point that out because I think mm-hmm. people have a tendency to think that the result is the literal technical deliverable and they're missing the nuance, right? And the nuance, which I know you're going to share some ideas around that, but there's a lot of wealth sitting on the table, hidden in the nuance, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right. And uh, to go back to Cirque du Soleil, unlocking that wealth does not demand that you work more or acquire or like assume more costs either, which is a really bizarre idea when you first hear it. I'm gonna say it again. It's possible that you can charge more by doing less than you're doing right now. And just doing different instead. It reminds me of Google. I was listening to somebody talking about, you know, before Google, I think Yahoo and there's a bunch of companies and they had all the news stories. They had the weather, they had a search bar. They also had ads. They also had articles. They had everything crammed under these pages and Google comes along and does one thing and blows up. Less is more. Blows up. Less is more. And do you know why the page was so simple on that note? No. Because they didn't know how to code anything more complex. <laughs> so they, you know, so they actually were like, I don't know how to do all the other stuff. We we just know how to make like a logo and a search bar and a couple little links. Well, and it turns out that that's what the market wanted even more than the million buttons and million links that <laughs> Yahoo and stuff. Were that doing. is that is priceless. That's awesome. People, humans assume that a company that does one thing does it better than a company that does five things, one of which being that one thing. And, you know, another mm-hmm. mistake service businesses do is they have too big of a menu of services. You know, they'll walk your dog, they'll babysit your kids, they'll clean your oven, they'll wash your house. They'll do, and that is just a horrible mistake. And we don't have to get distracted by that, but that's what I thought of when you said that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's actually a word for that. So the, the, the word for that, or the phrase for that is value innovation. So value innovation is when you can actually deliver more value by doing less for the customer. And I'll give you a couple examples of that. So one example we talked about is actually Cirque du Soleil. Cirque du Soleil was like no animals and way more interesting for the customer as a result of the no animals. Way more engaging, way more fun, way more cool, way more expensive. Uh, another really easily accessible example is hotels. So have you been if you've been to a hotel recently, actually COVID makes it trickier, but you'll notice that inside the hotel bathroom, there's usually a little card hanging on the towel rack or sitting on the counter that says, hey, if you love the planet and aren't a, a you know jerk, kitten killing idiot, maybe you know you could um, save it by not washing your towel every day. Yep. I've you got know, I've put those. your Hang your towel up. Don't leave it on the floor if you're not a terrorist, you know, basically. And you're like, okay. Shaming yeah. and guilting and peer pressure. So much shaming and guilt. So much shaming and guilt. And so you get to feel good about saving the world by hanging your towel up. And guess what? The hotel saves money because I don't have to wash your stinking towel. 
like the actual demand on laundry is condensed, which means they save a lot of money because of all of that. But they presented this money saving thing as actually an asset to up level your experience within the within the hotel. That is a perfect example. Yeah. So there's opportunities within. What would that possibly look like for a service company? I mean, can we get specific? Yeah, here's one. Here's one. So a lot of service companies, what they'll do is when they get an estimate request, they'll be like, you know what? I'm going to be in your neighborhood on um, Friday afternoon. I'm going to swing by Mrs. Jones at 3 p.m. And, uh, you know, it'll be great. I'll shake your hand. I'll take a look at your property and I'll get you the price that you want. Okay. Well, here's an application. Uh, Mrs. Jones calls on a Tuesday. You answer and she tells you what she wants. You say, oh, great. You know what? We could swing out Friday, but if you like a quote right now, let me just enter your address. Let me take a look right now on Google. You know, let me just pull up your house. Let's see. Oh, I see this. It's a beautiful peach colored garage door. Is that yours? With that Japanese maple in the front yard? That's yours. Okay, beautiful. Let me just open another tab. Let me take one more look at your home. Oh, now I can see it from the three-quarter view. You know what? I see exactly what you've got. You know, it looks like you've got A, B, and C. Is that correct, Mrs. Smith? It is? Perfect. Tell you what. Um, we're very familiar with your area. We can guarantee that we'll get that job done for you for X. X amount of dollars. The end. Well, you guess what? You've added value to Mrs. Smith because she doesn't have to wait three days for the estimate. You don't have to pay your guys to drive 20 minutes across town. You don't have to pay for the gas and the insurance and the equipment of all of that wasted time. And you've presented it as a value add to her. So you win and Mrs. Smith wins at the same time. I love it. Yeah. That's, That's just a top example. of mind. Quick, quick example. Yeah. Well, another thing so you can do... When you're doing the phone quote like that, one thing I coach people to do is to anchor people to a way higher price before you present your price. So if you are going to do a phone quote, this is another little nugget for people. When you pull up their house on Google, you say, oh, perfect. Oh, you're in the Smith's Creek neighborhood. Yeah, we just finished a $3,500 job down the street for one of your neighbors. It went perfectly. We got a five-star review. Very familiar, beautiful neighborhood. So anyway, we can get that done for X, right? And maybe it's $1,200. But what you've done is you've you've anchored them to a bigger number strategically. Yes, yes. Right before you deliver. That's so right. you want people to be pleasantly surprised that you're only twice as much as the next estimate. You don't want them to be horrified. You want them to be so scared of your price before you deliver it through the perceived value, through the, the the tone of voice, the tonality, the inflection, the language you use, the stories you tell, that they go, oh, God, okay, it's only 1200 Beautiful. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy you mentioned that. It was on, yeah, anchoring is a huge thing. And it works well if you mention a price, like you said. But anchoring is so weird that it also works when the number has nothing to do with the price. Ooh. Tell us more. So I, I did, yeah. So I was, I did a workshop for a room full of cleaners in New Orleans about nine years ago, maybe ten years ago, and we were talking about anchoring. And I had everybody take out a piece of paper and write down the last four digits of their phone number at the top of the page, and then I had them um, put a dot between the second, the second and third digit, so it looked like you know, two numbers, a dot, two numbers, then put a 
price tag to the left of the first number. So they turned the last four numbers of their phone into a price. Right. And then I held up a, and the room was mostly full of guys, dudes. And I held up a, a weird makeup. I think it was an eyeliner from Sephora or something. And I said, what do you think the price is of this eyeliner? And we didn't, nobody showed up. They just wrote down their name, their numbers. And, uh, and then we gathered feedback. We actually did like a little scientific study in that, in that group. And we wrote down the people that had numbers between, you know, zero, 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 and, you know, three, 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 and then three, 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 and six, 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 or six, 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 six. And then the rest, you know, like six, 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 seven to nine, 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 nine. And we saw a massive swing in their predictions and guesses as to how much that makeup was just based on an irrelevant, like nonsensical anchor that they had first been conditioned to uh, be exposed to before they were prompted with the question of how much you think this is. Oh, 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 wait. So just to clarify, so do you mean if, if the last four digits of my phone number are one zero five nine, which means that the number I would have wrote was $10 and 59 cents, which is a low number that I would have been more prone to pricing a lower price for the eyeliner than someone who's that's exact. That's exactly what happened, Josh, with the 70 people in the room with the 70 people. And again, I just replicated that because that's been, that's been done like hundreds of times that little experiment, but I thought it'd be fun for the people in the room to actually see it in real time. So <clears throat> a really ninja application of the idea that you just gave a moment ago, a strategy, which is brilliant. If you were to use price, that's great, but you don't have to use anything that has to do with the price. And you can have like 10 random facts, for example, beside your phone or beside your desk. So when Mrs. Smith calls, and you can say, oh, hey, oh, I see that you're living, you know, you're backing onto that creek there. Did you, you know, I just heard there are 19,847,000 creeks in the U.S. <laughs> isn't, isn't, that, isn't that crazy? Anyway, anyway, I'm getting, I'm getting away from the facts here. Okay, Mrs. Smith. Yeah, so look, I'm look, it's going to be $9,300. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, man, like that's that? so good, man. That's the thing too. And so, but here's the thing. So we talked about mindset because unless you're confident in the value Mrs. Smith is getting, and unless you feel amazing about only charging her $9,300 to do that work, you will never have the courage to, to, to say that thing, to implement that strategy in real life because you won't believe it. You know, you'll feel like a jerk. So you really genuinely have to connect with with you being an idiot for only charging $9,300 to Mrs. Smith, you need to believe that in your bones for you to be able to bring the correct energy to the transaction that's going to make the sale happen at that highest possible point. Because everybody's, we have really good BS meters, right? And we can tell if there's something off. So very, very much. That's why some of this is hard to, quantify, it's hard to quantify because you know, we're talking about mastery with pricing. We're going to get into tactics. We already are getting into tactics, but, we are. but that's not enough, right? Because I, you can't, I can't tactically through a podcast say, you know, do this and your body language will be perfect. I mean, there's so much underlying stuff, you know? So what do people need to do? Just keep doing this a hundred times until it's real to them and, and just commit to it. Because, you know, if you don't believe it, but you want to raise your prices, but you feel weird. It's going to be projected to your prospect, hundred percent. And, and, and exactly, exactly. But, but you can't 
believe it until after you've done it and they're happy and you like it. Like it's a chicken and the egg type of scenario. Yeah. What's the hack for just going for it and raising the prices? Yeah. So the hack is uh, the mindset, the meaning, uh, the mistakes to avoid. And then it's these mastery pieces. So with that, let's talk a little bit more about value. So we said a few moments ago that value-based pricing is the only thing that you must use moving forward to create the highest possible price with a clear conscience. And I know that you've heard that before. So it's not like a revelatory um, insight in itself. However, here's something that we are not often told, that value is a three-pronged animal. Value comes in three variations, and all of them have to be um, aligned and optimized. And here they are. Um, value must be relevant. It must be different. And it must be rare. So relevant, different, and rare. And in my book, The Whale Vomit Method, I dove into these three different components of value. So let's just talk very briefly about each of those. So when we say relevant, you have to be solving a problem that matters a lot to the person that's writing the check or pulling out their credit card. Like it has to be relevant to them. And ideally, it would also be resonant to them. Like your brand would resonate with them as well. But relevant. To them. So for example, um, I doubt that anybody woke up this morning and said, man, I really wish my landscaper was wearing a chicken costume, <laughs> you know, because like, that's something you could do, but I don't think anybody would care and it wouldn't help you. You know, then again, in the window cleaning world, there's this weird brand called men in kilts and their whole thing is we dress weird. Like we dress, like we think we're still in Scotland, you know, and that's, in the hopes that some weirdos in the market would be like, yeah, that's kind of fun. I've never thought of a window cleaner as being fun, you know, and right. being like a little entertaining experience for me and my family. Right. Um, so that's relevance. Relevant, you have to actually be directionally aligned with the thing that the person cares about. And, and within every single market and every vertical, there are an endless number of ways you can kind of, uh, directionally go with a different person considering or viewing that thing as being relevant or not. But that's a very first important step. Let me give you an example. Um, Domino's Pizza, when it started from zero, they looked at the pizza landscape and said, you know what? Uh, yeah, people want it to be tasting good. And they want fresh toppings and the sauce has to be decent and the crust, crust has to be okay. But we think they really want it to be fast. Like nobody's giving fast pizza, you know? And they realized that speed was an area of relevance that was kind of under tapped, like untapped or underserved within the market. And of course, we know the rest of the story. Yeah, their gut was right. And they built a multi-billion dollar brand very, very, very quickly. Um, so that's relevance. That's number one. Anything you wanted to add on that, Josh, before I moved on to... No, I think the Domino's pizza is... Examples, amazing. It's it's relevant and it's different. No, well, it's yeah. Like, so let's talk like about that's right. Exactly, exactly. So let's talk about different or unique. 
that's the second prong of, of the value um, maximization that you need to kind of explore for your business, your service. Um, you need to be different from the other options available to the market. You must be unique. So sometimes you hear people say something like, you have to have a unique selling proposition. That's what they're talking about, a, a UVP, a unique value proposition. It has to be different. So I want to take you one layer deeper um, when it comes to different. In the English language, there are three words that signal to the market that you have something genuinely unique available. And I want you to write these words down. The words are most, only, or est. Most, only, or est. And est, of course, is a suffix that goes at the end of a word. So like biggest, brashest, boldest, smallest, weirdest, etc. Fastest. In my book, The Way... What's that? Oh, sorry. I just said fastest. I was still thinking about pizza. Fastest. That's right. That's right. So to let the market know that there's something unique about what it is that you're delivering, not only do you have to be relevant, but you have to be unique in the direction of the relevance which is a key point when it comes to you being able to maximize the value that is going to um, support and prop up your highest ever prices. Mm-hmm. Now, um, to illustrate this, there's actually a remarkable opportunity we have right now at this time in history, 2021. Because in 2007, there was a weird product introduced into the world called the iPhone. And in the 14 years since the iPhone was released by Steve Jobs himself, we all remember the, that you know, famous presentation. Um, do you know how much sales of just Apple stuff, Apple's compu- Apple computers has made, Josh, in the past 14 years? Over that I'm 14 years. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess at least dozens of dollars at a minimum. <laughs> <laughs> you are correct. You are correct. Uh, billions. I mean, at, what, this is years ago when I still lived in Costa Rica. I pulled up like the all the financials for Apple because I'm a nerd. And whatever year it was, 2016, 2017, they had $180 billion in cash at that time, right? According to their, right. their SEC filings and stuff. That, that number, people can't even comprehend how much money that is. I went to the United States treasury.gov site and they only had like 40 billion in cash at the time. So like Apple has so much cash even back then and it's still going, it's unimaginable. People don't understand <laughs> how big these companies are. They don't, they don't understand. Okay, so thank you for playing. That's more than dozens of dollars for sure. And I guess more than... A, <laughs> More than 180 billion as well, because that's their profit, right? Yeah, that's cash on hand. At the end, after everybody's been paid, all the buildings have been built, all the bonuses paid out, all the Foxconn people have been paid, all the microchips purchased. Okay, so here's the answer. Um, As of last year, in fact, so the first 13 years after the iPhone, uh, the answer is that they have sold $2 trillion worth of stuff, Apple computers. That's trillion with a T, 2T. Um, but $1 trillion of those sales have been from one product, the iPhone. 
The iPhone is a trillion dollar product. So when I say we have a unique opportunity, what I mean is that we have a chance to study the messaging and the positioning of a trillion dollar product just by going to the apple.com website and clicking on iPhone. And if you were to do that after this um, podcast, what you'll discover is that on the iPhone page, if you just click learn more for the iPhone 12. Which well, because, because we're, because I'm recording this, I'm just going to do it. Um, okay. Let's, let's just so do click it. On iPhone 12. Yep. Learn more. Click on learn more for iPhone 12. Uh, right here. Uh, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> let's see what comes up. Scroll down. Okay, let's stop. What is, did you see any S or most or only? I see. see underneath last pass fast. What does it say? The first, right there. The, the first fastest, line, the fastest chip in a smartphone. Boom. Right away. The first paragraph, they hit you with an S. The fastest chip in a smartphone. Go down more. Scroll down. Big Scroll news. Until you, find another, until you find another paragraph. Okay. The, and a lot of like they turn it's a really the whole experience. The okay, stop looking at smallest, thinnest, lightest 5G right? So yeah, so let's just let's just bounce out of that. Just okay. we can spend you know like way too long on that. Okay. But yeah, as the as the viewer, like check out apple.com, click on iPhone, click on learn more, and you will see Apple. They stack them, they go back to back to back to back to back to back to back on the most, the only, and the S. And that's how they've created a trillion dollar product. And that's the exact same formula you can use with your service business is that you need to figure out how do you become the most, the only, or the S in the direction that is relevant to the people that you desire to serve. That's how you unlock the maximum value proposition to your market. And of course, that's what we're going to be diving into at our intensive as well, and giving you some more like uh, tools and exercises around doing that. But well, what's what's really cool about your intensive is that because this is so nuanced, you know, I'm assuming there's going to be opportunity for people to like ask questions and engage with each other because everybody's business is a little bit different. Their offerings are different. Their market's different. Their current price points different. The size of their team's different. Their personal mindset is different, and so it's hard to say, go do this exact thing because it's not applicable across the board. It has to be custom kind of fitted to the person to some degree. And that's part of the reason that you're doing this, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, and it's, and there's no such thing as one size fits all. And let me give you an example. Um, and I will say this too. This, so here's a common trap. Best is actually the weakest of the S. So never use the word best in your messaging. Or right. in the best in all of Southeastern Ohio. It's like everyone says it. So therefore it's white noise. Therefore it has no value. Right. And because not only does everybody say it, but it's also wildly ambiguous. You know, like what's the best car? Hmm. Well, that's impossible. It depends. Like it'll make, but if, it depends. But if you say, what's the most reliable car? Now you'd be like, oh, Toyota. There you yeah. If you say, what's the most luxurious car? You'll be like, Rolls Royce. You know, you say, what's the fastest car? It'll be some like 
Pagani something, you know, that's a little bit faster than the Bugatti, you know? You know, I wanted to make sure you told a story that we just talked privately on the phone and you were telling me about, mm-hmm. I think it was Ferraris and how they were trying to sell their cars and it wasn't really going very good. And they just changed the frame. They started taking them to the the air shows or whatever. Can you explain that and how that ties into this? Yeah, Bugatti does that. Okay, Bugatti. Yeah, so Bugatti. So that's a great example of closing rate. So um, there's a lot of con- con- or conversation around what is the optimal closing rate for you when it comes to charging a high price. Like, what's the ideal conversion rate? And the answer to that is that there's no such thing as the ideal. Like, you get to decide what you want your conversion rate to be. And the higher the conversion rate you desire, the more indoctrination and vetting you need to invoke prior to the sales conversation. So Bugatti, who sells arguably, you know, the most expensive car money can buy right now is, you know, three, four million dollars. You can go to Auto Trader right now, three, four million dollars for these stinking Bugattis. Um, They have a 98% closing rate on qualified buyers. Hmm. And one of the things that they do is before they even have a conversation with you about whether or not you're going to buy a Bugatti, like they'll fly you to the plant in France. They'll, you know, wine and dine you at the F1 in Monaco. You know, I think that's what I shared with you. Like they have like a thing set up there where they start to just be part of the part of the lifestyle. And they've learned that people that buy a Bugatti already have like three helicopters and seven boats and like 10 houses. <laughs> right. like, so they, yeah, like literally. So they, right. they, they know, like they really know their market inside and out. And because of that, they can speak the language of the people that buy Bugattis. And because of that, and, and add to it, the indoctrination, the exposure, the being in the right place at the right time and saying the right things and the positioning and the experience, their closing rate is, re- is almost like a hundred percent which is shocking really when you think about it hundred percent. Um, but that's the point like Bugatti, like Bugatti is unique. Um, and which is why I can command the $4 million price point, but it also works for your company, your service-based company. All you have to do is figure out how to, which direction, which direction of relevance do I need to become the most, the only, or the guest. And I will say as a warning, um, you're going to want to obsess over quality. You're going to want to think it's a quality thing. Right. And when I say when I say quality, I mean the quality of the core service. So you're saying but, people are going to be tempted to talk about how they have the f- best quality. You're going to be tempted to say we're the highest quality power washer, the most meticulous landscaper the you know the only landscaper that uses fertilizer flown in that you know from special cows that you know only poop in these recyclable bags that are flown by helicopter to this boat <laughs> and like you know like <laughs> but um you might get it wrong if you go in the direction of quality because to the consumer quality is often not the thing that they're, that they're looking for and i want you to think about bugatti for a sec for a second um like Bugatti is made of really beautiful world-class material. So you could say the quality is phenomenal, but it's not reliable and it's not durable. Like you could go through a pair of, like you can go through four Bugatti tires in an afternoon. 
And they're $12,000 each, the rubber, just the rubber per tire to replace them. If you tear it up and you do donuts in a parking lot, you can go on YouTube and watch guys go through 12, like $48,000 of rubber in a few minutes on a Bugatti. Yeah. And you can only replace the, you can only replace the rubber like six times before you have to replace the rims. And the rims are like 250K. Oh my gosh. So it's Bugatti, like Bugattis do not last because they're built for speed, right? So nothing lasts very long. So Aston Martin has this problem too. Like they don't last long. Um, so it's not a quality thing, but the seat that you sit in is probably the most comfortable seat your butt will ever be in. <laughs> but you know, I mean, there's a, there's a, just in an effort. Have one more. Oh yeah, yeah. Keep going. If you got more, go ahead. Well, just one more thing. One more thing. And there's this really famous article about the Bentley Mulsanne, which was like their super high-end sedan. And the reviewer said that the air vent in the Bentley is nicer than anything in his house. The, the air vent, you know, <laughs> that he just does this with, is like the nicest thing he's ever touched. Like he's, there's nothing in his house nicer than the air vent. Right. You know, so, yeah, but, but the, actual, the actual engine and the transmission not so much you well know, how you know, in, a, in an effort to just try our best even though it's situational to really give tactical nuggets to people mm-hmm. what are how do we ideate some of this i mean if i'm a, a cleaning company i mean i don't want to say i'm the best because that everybody says that right plus it's not quantifiable i could we could go the quickest route we could go the frame I mean, what adjectives are you thinking here? Are you the only company in all the Southwest Ohio that offers a free something, something with every service or that offers a, some guarantee or warranty that we create out of thin air and we proprietarily name it and make it like, what are some create value out of thin air and position us better things specifically we can do? Yeah. So you just listed like five and any one of them might be right for the market that we're serving. So some of the things we can do is, um, number one, we can ask our best customers why they chose us in the first place. So the people that are already giving us the money, and by the way, you want to ask the people that you wish you had like a thousand more customers of. So ask your best customers. So the ones that I just use best. Ask your customers that you love the most and that you wish you had more of. Um, ask them, why did you choose us out of curiosity at the beginning? What was it about us? Yeah. That's one great question you can ask. Question number two is um, when you tell your friends about us, what do you say? Ooh, that's good. There we go. That's yeah. a good one. And then so when you get question, those answers, you what, what do you, you just build out and kind of exaggerate those particular features of your service? Well, yeah, and I'll give you, give you a third one as well to mix in, like to, to mix into your research, if you will. A third thing you can do is go online, especially if you want to, here's a really kind of ninja way to secretly get into the heads of the people that you would like to steal from the competition. Go on the Google reviews of your competition and see what those people say about the competition. See what they're talking about. And what they're raving about. And all of that put together will give you some market intelligence. You can step back and go, huh, okay, so we have all of this data. It seems to be heavily weighted in the direction of responsiveness, for example. 
or it seems to be heavily weighted in the direction of warranty mm -hmm. or heavily weighted in the direction of professionalism. Now, at that point, all you have to do is um, be willing to become the most, the only, or the est in that direction. At Let's do an example. Bit, Let's say professionalism. Yeah. Just to, I really want this to really be concrete for people. So well, let's say responsive instead. Let's say responsive. Okay. Yeah. Is that okay? Or do you want to go with professionalism? Sure. No, I think either are fine. Because professionalism has a lot of like nuances to it as to what it could precisely be within that category. But responsive is a bit more like. Uh, concrete. Like, yeah. And kind of, yeah. Easily understood on its own. It's kind of like, yeah. yeah. Um, so you can do a couple of things right away. You can start mining your testimonials for any kind of indication that you are in fact responsive and you can either, you know, hopefully at this point you will be a company that's already incredibly responsive. If not, I mean, to be honest, the, the ugly reality is that you'll have to become the most responsive contractor right. in your area. Yeah. But I and think it's becoming, exciting, right? It's exciting to me. It is exciting. Now you, if, if that's what people are saying, now yeah. you're going to own it all the way through top yeah, to bottom, you, front to back. You're going to yeah. just, you're going to like yeah. claim it and be even 10 times more responsive and be obsessed with it. So exactly. And so this is, and so here's the sneakiness that's really awesome is that you obsess with it in three directions with proof, protocol, and posture. And by posture, I mean, as you declare it, you own it, right? You say like, this is, we are the most responsive. Um, what, what industry are we talking about? Give me an industry here. Uh, power washing. Power washer in, you know, Dallas. Or in Proof Christmas. protocol and what? Uh, posture. Got it. Okay. So this posturing is, is the language, right? The messaging. Now it's the proof. The proof, actually, let's talk about protocol first. The protocol is where you substantiate it with your internal systems. And you say, for example, you know, we're the only pressure washer in Frisco that has uh, a VA, a virtual, a virtual team sitting in Saigon, Vietnam, all night waiting by the telephone so that if you call us at 3.15 a.m., we're going to get a live human on the other line. <laughs> Right. You know, we are we are the only Frisco power washer that is so responsive. We will send you a text message immediately after our conversation. You know, or we are the only power washer that will get you an estimate for your job within eight minutes, or it's free. Right, or deliver the the te the estimate five different ways. You know, you mail them a copy, or deliver the estimate copy, you five a copy, you text them a copy, you free. Do a singing telegram sent to their house, giving the you estimate. <laughs> there you go. Like you start and you start to obsess it. And what's hilarious is that what will happen is the market will start to. What you're doing is rigging the conversation in your favor. Right. Let's go back to Domino's. So Domino's like everybody else. So Domino's is breaking out. All the other pizza places, they're boring, right? They're like, our sauce is the most delicious. Our, our toppings are the freshest. Right. Our crust is the most flaky. And Domino's is like, that stuff is like, who cares about that? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Our crust is great. Our toppings are great. Our sauce is great. Of course. Hello. Of course, the sauce and the toppings and everything is good. Yeah. But, but it shifts you the conversation about. around speed. And now they're playing defense speed. on a the topic they don't even want to play defense on. There 
there you go. Everybody else now is wrong footed. Kind of like when Apple also Apple also started making fun of PC. Remember those famous commercials calling on the Apple on a PC? Yeah. Control the narrative. Exactly. You control the narrative and you start to obsess over this responsiveness thing. And you can always put in fine print, yeah, we have brand new trucks and we're professional and we wear booties and we have top of line equipment. And of course we, you know, do this and of course we do that and of course we do that. Like that's boring. Of course we have a 24 month warranty and like you like you like you basically dismiss all of the the uh, what your market is saying is important right and it's like you, you it's like that's cute like that's cute that those guys think that that matters because we know that what actually matters is responsiveness if that's what you want mr client oh my goodness so that's the protocol piece right that's protocol is all the yep. things you do and the proof is the last piece and that is where you put in the mouths of the people that give you money that, oh my God, Josh's power washing company in Frisco, Texas is the most responsive power washer I have ever come across. And I've lived here for 22 years. Right. (laughs) Imagine if that's the first thing you see when you land on joshspowerwashing.com. So now it's like, bam. Okay. Like that's speaking my language. Doing this process you're talking about where you, you, you look at the three legs of value, which is relevant, different, and rare. You know, subcategory different is most only EST words S, you know, putting in place the right language and messaging through or posture protocol proof. You're effectively decommoditizing your entire service offering. You're pomegranatizing yourself. Exactly. Right. Pomegranatizing. That's beautiful. That's that, uh, so let's talk about rare. Let's talk about rare. Sure. Because we haven't. Yeah. So we've talked about unique. We've talked about relevant. Now let's talk about rare. Now at first blush, rare sounds like unique. But it's, it's totally different. I'll tell you how. Um, Rare is talking about limiting access to your service, either by time or by availability. So it's manufacturing scarcity. Which is a beautiful thing about service-based businesses because, you know, by definition, they're usually boutique. So there is only so many guys and so many trucks and so many appointments and so many clients you can have. So if you said, you know, not only do we have, you know, Frisco's most responsive, we are Frisco's most responsive power washing professionals. Um, but when Mrs. Smith calls, you say, you know what, we would love to offer you, we call it the, you know, super responder package, you know, platinum package. Unfortunately, just so you know, it is 9,300 and here's all the stuff that goes into it. We also only have three spots available for the next 90 days. You know, no pressure, Mrs. Smith, but there are literally three spots available. So if you'd like one, we recommend you book it today. You know, like that's unlocking the power of scarcity as well. Hmm. So you you can you combine relevance with differentiation and then you supercharge it with scarcity, which by the way is just a natural function of the nature of your business. And you declare and own and deliver. With that kind of alignment, that's how you unlock maximum profitability. And you listen the to these pod- this podcast series 63 times until you finally have the identity <laughs> of stuff fixed while you're doing all that. And then you confidently right. deliver your presentation. Right. And, and, you know, what's cool. And you come is, to my intensive. Yes. That's right. And, and, and I'm going to ex- explain more about that here. Um, yeah. So, I don't know, man. This is. It's really good. I had a, a nugget and I'm losing my train of thought, but 
Um, why don't you I have a little more I'd like to, sh- to share if you want me to keep going a little bit. Well, yeah, you keep going, explain your intensive. It'll come back to me, but this is all just really great. Oh, I, I already came back to me. I was just going to say that whether, yeah. whether you have the capacity of doing 200 jobs a month or 20 jobs a month, you still advertise it as, Hey, we only have the capacity to do 432 jobs this month and 396 of them are gone. So book today with the most responsive, blah, 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 blah. I mean, very simple thing and everyone can do it right now. We're just not talking about it. So those are my thoughts. Go ahead and continue and uh, also remind us of the intensive. Uh, There'll be a link to it and uh, why people should attend. Um, I'm also, uh, sorry, I just, Making an adjustment with my microphones here. Um, you sound okay. It sounds diff- it sounds different, but it's perfectly clear. Go ahead. Perfectly clear. Okay. Yep. I'm just going to make an attempt to adjust. Sorry about that. We've been doing so many of these. Batteries are running low on the AirPods, and everything is technology's letting us down. But uh, yeah, you sure. Yeah, you're 100% good. Go ahead. Okay, great. Um, So, yeah, the intensive is designed to not only empower you with more examples, like real-life case studies of service-based entrepreneurs like you that are using all of these levers, but also to give you some more practical exercises to get these results in your own business ASAP. Um, and there's no reason, but I know we've talked a lot about the prices going up 100%, 200%. Uh, the truth is there's no upper limit to what's possible when it comes to these things. When, it, when you start to master pricing psychology and value innovation, um, and you'll see, you'll see examples at the intensive of service-based entrepreneurs that have raised their prices 300%, 400%. 900 percent also like this and there's this idea that i call the progressive raise myth that you know we have to like the sid graph the sid thing right like mm-hmm. we might the 20 thing the 30 percent thing the 40 percent thing it's my hope when you attend the intensive that you'll see that it's possible for you to make leaps in your pricing like three four hundred percent instantly just with a few small adjustments without working more without building a bigger team and without feeling like a greedy bastard. So if that sounds exciting to you, then yeah, come to the thing, come to the intensive. It's going to be amazing. It's going to change. Sounds exciting to me. And one of the things that was a bummer was that I'm going to be speaking at an event while you're doing your intensive. So a single tear of sadness slowly rolled down my cheek, but you missed the first one. That's right. You missed the first one. <laughs> but no, it's just always such a pleasure learning from you, Kevin. And uh, I love the way your mind works. And um, it's just really evident that you're very well read, that you're passionate about this stuff because this is complex. You know, it's it's complicated. And you have a way of simplifying it. And I really think that in a, in the tight labor market that we have. As simple of a thing as it is uh, to just raise prices could have a really meaningful impact on everybody listening to this. If you just, you know, stop being timid, right? If you remember the acronym from our other episode uh, and go for it. And one of the ways to build your confidence is going to be to spend more time learning from Kevin. You know, unfortunately, I won't be there, but you need to be there. 
And I encourage you to click the link, you know, in the in the show notes or on this Facebook or wherever you're watching this, and just go sign up for it. Um, what is the cost to to do it, Kevin? I forget. It's not much. It's not much. It's sixty eight bucks for the half day intensive, and it comes with a ten times ROI guarantee. Which means that at the end of the event, if you don't feel like what you have learned and absorbed, we'll put an extra $680 in your pocket in the next few days, then I'll just give you a full refund. No questions asked. Awesome. That is just so ridiculous. You should charge like $3,000 for this. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it will. And then there's also... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, then there's also a VIP option with an extra 55 minutes of, of programming and education at the end of the intensive, that's specifically around the, the exact sales flow to land $100,000 clients, but it's specifically for consultants and coaches. Mm. So if you're a coach or consultant, then you're, of course, still a service-based business. But um, if you would like to get $100,000 clients, I'm going to teach you exactly how not only have I done that for myself, but I've helped my clients do the exact same thing as well. Mm-hmm. Well, you were, I mean, one of your clients, you helped get a million dollar client, right? And I know this breaks people's brains. And that was a conversation Kevin and I had privately, but I'm just being honest and real with everybody listening to this. This is normal in our world. And so I'm trying to use care and empathy and grace as I kind of present this stuff to you because. You know, I started in a trailer park as a pizza driver. I don't have a college education. I didn't have a silver spoon and I get it. I've lived in both worlds and I know it can really just like shock you to understand these things. Um, I sold a $20,000 consulting client yesterday in my living room. I spent uh, some time with a a nice lady here in Dallas. I can help her. I'm not doing anything other than talking to her and teaching her some stuff. Um, And it's normal. And the value she's going to get is worth hundreds of thousands. It's a 10x minimum value change. But this is normal in my world and, and, and you need to learn more. So unless you are nuts or you're wildly uh, wealthy already, go sign up for the thing, pay the 60 something bucks and uh, take a lot of notes. Kevin, do you have any final closing thoughts? Hmm. Just that you can be a great person that your children are proud of and charge the highest prices you've ever charged. You can be a good person and be wealthy and be the highest price vendor of your stuff. I agree. It's shocking when you first hear it, but uh, it's absolutely true. And if you don't think it's true, that's going to really limit you, right? Because it's going to affect everything you're able to do in your business. So Kevin, thank you for your time. Super grateful. Everybody click the link, give Kevin your 60 bucks, grab a bag of popcorn, take notes. I'll catch up with you later. And uh, let me know your thoughts on this interview series and feel free to comment below or tag me and um, let me know if I'm just a giant nerd, because I think this is the coolest stuff ever is talking about this. And uh, that's it, Kevin. Thank you. If you're ready to go even deeper, go to Facebook and search for The Growth Vault. It's a free community with thousands of other business owners just like you. I'll see you next time on The Growth Vault.
We'll be right back. 